Welcome to Concerning the Spiritual in Art, a podcast exploring spirituality, consciousness, and the creative process. I'm your host, Martin Benson. Welcome back to Concerning the Spiritual in Art. I have a really special episode for you all today with Delta Venus, um, artist, designer, writer extraordinaire. Um, we had a really powerful conversation today that just went to so many places, not only speaking about her heritage, her Egyptian heritage, and how that sort of awoken within her um, at a certain time in her life that really connected her to her spirituality in a really deep way. That's really driving a lot of the work she's making now. But we also got into speaking about her journey as an artist. And then we got really into some deep spaces around spiritual practice and psychedelic integration and sort of how we can utilize these components um, within our lives to, to live more fully and more connected. Um, we even got kind of into some content around the culture that we live in and sort of some of the tension and the paradox of the times we live in, but also the sort of potential that there is latent within these times that we live in for really great collective transformation. Um, overall, just an, an incredible person, wonderful energy. We just flowing in our conversation. So I hope you all enjoyed a lot. Um, Delta Venus, y'all. Awesome. Delta Venus, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing Thank today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm yeah. feeling it. Thanks You're for having feeling me. It? Great. Yeah. So uh, Delta Venus is all joining us from uh, Brisbane, right? Brisbane, Australia. Yeah. Wow. Sure. What time is it? 830 there? Yes, we're fresh on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's so good to see you. And for those that aren't familiar with um, Delta's work, I mean, she's an incredible artist designer and really just a spiritual sort of channel for just incredibly positive amazing affirmations um that's part of how i came across your work was through your the designs that you're doing like on instagram with a lot of amazing affirmations but the graphic design the imagery that you're bringing behind it is just like super resonant and has just such a power and gravitational pull to it that i was just became like obsessed just like looking through all the things that you do and I was wondering if you can maybe talk to us a little bit about how you got to making the work you're making now, especially through your website and through Instagram, where you have like a really great following and you have just such amazing content that I feel for me personally, it's just every time I see you post something, I'm just like, I needed that right there in that moment. So I'm just curious how you got how you got started um, doing this kind of work. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for such kind words. Firstly, it's always really nice to hear that they resonate. Um, you know, it's such an interesting thing. I feel like everyone has these like really bizarre experiences in their life that like don't necessarily make sense. Or, you know, you start to collect all of these different expressions of yourself and you're like, oh, like, where did these all fall into something? And it sort of naturally happened for me that these little bits and pieces over time have um, all come into this work that I'm doing. Um, I mean, like from the graphic design perspective, I worked um, professionally as a designer and ran a design agency for most of my 20s. Um, but before that, you know, I was always making art and creating. And I mean, I probably, um, my ego probably identified as a writer for most of my life before wow. that. 
Um, so, you know, I have a little bit of a laugh sometimes because I think, um, you know, of my ancient Egyptian ancestors, like coding walls with hieroglyphs and in some <laughs> weird way, I feel like, yeah, well, here I am now doing whatever the modern version is of that um, <laughs> and fusing all of these different aspects that, you know, really up until the last couple of years, like for me, weren't making sense. But now suddenly through this practice, like, oh, okay, this is what I was collecting all of those bits and pieces for. Yeah, it's amazing how how things sometimes when you're in the middle of making something or it's just the way you evolve as a human, like you have certain experiences or you're being pulled into a certain career path or a certain group of friends. And then you don't really see how all these puzzle pieces come together until someday down the road, it's just like, oh my God, everything makes perfect sense. Just like I couldn't see it within that moment, but now I do like all the skill sets that you developed, like the graphic design skill sets, being a writer, but also being tapped into your um, Egyptian, your ancient Egyptian heritage. And I find that to be a really fascinating component to like the, the quality of spirituality that you express through your work. Um, have, have you always been connected with sort of ancient Egyptian wisdom and the spiritual traditions like woven into that? And if not, like, how did that begin for you to discover it? Great question. Um, I haven't, I really haven't. I was like um, obsessed with Tibetan Buddhism as a 14 year old. I want to say that wow. that was like really where um, my interest in spirituality began. It's a really beautiful monastery, like deep in the mountains near my house where I grew up that, um, you know, I used to sneak out of school to go to this monastery. When I think about that now, I'm like, oh, it's quite endearing, you know, I was never <laughs> sneaking out of school to go and do naughty stuff, really, but to try and get to this monastery. Wow, um, I love it. <laughs> so I guess I'd like had this taste for this way of thinking about life earlier on, and I started to really um, I guess like just search for more of it. I got a little bit into Vedanta um, mm -hmm. later on in my teen years and it wasn't actually until my mid-20s when my grandmother on my Egyptian side passed away that it just activated what felt like all of this dormant DNA Egyptian DNA within me and all of the sudden um, I was on this like really catapulted journey and was lucky to go to Egypt and really feel those visceral wow. initiations in temples and yeah, I think the last few years has been more of a, um, I want to say academic approach, but I've been really actively researching my own culture and their beliefs and lineage because um, I just don't think we've got too many authorities out there at the moment that understand how to express um, their their spiritual beliefs and they really um, are so much more than the the sort of like whitewashed British archaeologist version of Egypt <laughs> that we're also used to hearing, you know? So, yeah. yeah. No, that's amazing. I mean, I've always been fascinated by the spirituality woven into Egyptian, ancient Egyptian culture and the mysteries just surrounding the pyramids. And I was listening to a podcast the other day with uh, Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson, these two like big sort of archaeologists and uh, mythologists and journalists who are looking into like our ancient past and they talk a little bit about like Egypt as like really like a, a sort of beacon of like advancement in culture in a time that we have totally forgotten. Um, but when I think about like the metaphors and also like the mythology within Egyptian spirituality and how that plays into all the spiritual traditions that we're more aware of today, like 
it almost feels like it is kind of like pointing to an essence of things that we've forgotten about our own spirit, like our own sense of purpose or identity within this mysterious cosmic situation we find ourselves in, right? Um, is. is there any specific component to like the sort of Egyptian lineage of wisdom that like really drew you in the most, like any story or any figure or any sort of thing that really kind of like just catapulted you into like the depths of of learning like you were talking about that's a really good question you know I I bit nerdy of me but I spend most of my spare time that I'm not creating or working uh, studying comparative religion Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love looking at all different spiritual practices from across the world and I think for me with Egypt it was realizing that I'm like oh there's this story of this this Christ story with this immaculate conception and um, this this being that came in a really similar way that we see um, with the story of Jesus and really I'm starting to notice across many cultures we see these <laughs> stories um, but you know I was speaking with a friend yesterday and we were saying we could hear the story of Osiris, Isis and Horus a million times and each time you hear it there's like a new detail or there's a new way of understanding it um, So I know this is sort of veering away from what you said, but I think for me, like the biggest unlocking with ancient Egypt was realizing that it is a metaphor for an inner experience. Like all it's not these, you know, anthropomorphic deities that are external of us that we pray to and worship is something that isn't within us. And um, I think approaching learning about Egypt from that perspective and understanding, okay, this deity represents an essence that is within all beings. Like how do I understand it as myself and bring that meaning within me? Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's so many great stories. I think when we hear these Egyptian stories and we don't bring them back into like those essences of what they mean for us, they can sound a little bit like, you know, any other animal based myth story or something. No, definitely. I love what you're saying. I mean, I think that's such an important point that I think a lot of people who are dabbling in spirituality or interested in it and kind of maintain this sort of layer of distance through academia and seeing it as like, like you were saying, like this external thing, like this sort of otherworldly situation that exists outside of us. But really when you internalize them and you realize like what you're saying, like they're like these metaphors and these stories are really trying to illustrate to us what's actually going on inside and sort of the capacity and potential we have for higher learning, higher insight, deeper love and compassion um, the mystery of reality is like in interior. It's not an exterior thing. I think that's one of the biggest hangups a lot of people have when they think about mythology or religion is, and the reason they want to write it off. And I think about this with Tibetan Buddhism too. They think it's like this just outlandish, creative, imaginative, otherworldly thing, which it is, but it's not applying in the way that we would apply toward factual based material reality that we're so attached to you know what I mean totally totally. yeah it's so it it almost like um you know from an art perspective for both of us it just flattens something that's so multi-dimensional you know like it makes it this 2d image of something that I'm like oh well but you know what about all of these other aspects of that and for me I think it's like almost like the barrier that most people experience in, um, you know, understanding spiritual concepts, but not living their resonance through their experience of life. It's just not being able to bring all of that, those ideas or those concepts and bring them in and, you know, feel them. 
um, as their own experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think that's what a lot of your art kind of is pointing to in a lot of ways. It's like how to like turn the consciousness from being so outwardly pointed and turning it back in on itself. Like looking at your glyph prints, like I love the way you kind of organize your website, like all the different sort of levels and prints and aspects of what you're giving away. But the one that I, um, I love so much, I'm going to read it. It's uh, life isn't happening to you or for you. Life is happening from you. And I think that speaks a little bit to exactly sort of what we're talking about is like, we have to recognize that like all of these components of the mystery of reality begin inside our own heart and inside our own mind. And we have to begin in that place, sort of excavating what that space is like in order to be able to express authentically the experience that life is and the nuances that are involved and the contradictions and the paradoxes. Like if it's not a lived experience, it just becomes um, attached and obsessed over by the ego. And then we lose the whole point of everything. Um, totally. Well, one of the teachings from the comedic wisdom or the ancient Egyptian wisdom teachings is that it's almost like a sin. If you have knowledge and then you don't apply it through your experience, it's, it, it's considered like hoarding um, a resource or something like that. Mm. And that their belief is that unless you solidify knowledge through experience, then your consciousness will forget it when it moves through this incarnation into whatever it does next. But anything that's solidified through experience is then retained through all of your different experiences um, as, or incarnations, or however you want to say that. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me when I think about like, I, I loved how you use the idea of like, you know, when you're speaking about your, your late grandmother passing and how it like activated something in your DNA, like, you know what I mean? Like a memory or like a resonance that was encoded there, just like sparked and awakened. And I think like the way that we move from life to life is a mystery. However, um, depending on your perspective and the life experience you have, I think you can come from a place thinking that you there is a quality of energy that is not ever destroyed or broken that moves from one experience to another. When we think about the doorway into life and the doorway from life into death, there's there's a lot of misunderstanding there. And I think this is something the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians spoke a lot about was about these doorways between the realms of existence, life and death, the underworld and, you know, the heavenly realms and the earthly realms, like moving through those things. But when you're talking about like how it's a sin not to embody these, the knowledge and live it and act on it is really fascinating because it's when you do act on it, when it becomes sort of an innate quality of how you live, then it becomes, I think, in my opinion, it becomes way more potent in its ability to actually heal the vibration of where you are, as opposed to being so intellectualized, it's like in every cell in your body. Um, And a lot of times I think about like epigenetics and like how we store memories in our DNA, you know, Mm. and then, and Mm. then the mystery of what DNA actually is like all these things you're saying, like, make perfect sense to me you know like in order to carry wisdom from one life to another the wisdom wisdom is not an intellectual thing you know knowledge is a component of wisdom but it is not wisdom itself um can you speak to maybe some of that a little bit this idea of embodying like 
these ideas? Like, how would you say, like, in your life, what's one way you feel like you try to act on the knowledge that you have? Because it's obvious you have a lot of that knowledge. Like, maybe you could share with us sort of approach you have. I think I could, I, it's one of my pitfalls that I could get too caught up in collecting all of this knowledge and not applying it um, in experience, right? It, for me, it feels like the word coherence keeps pinging around in my head. It's like, okay, cool. We're bringing then all of these aspects of self together. Um, I can think of points in my life where I thought I was on top of it. You know, I was like, oh my goodness, I've got all these practices. Everything in my life is amazing. Like I feel and receive love everywhere. And then, um, you know, I go and visit my family for a month or something like that. And it's like, cool, like time to actually go and put this into practice now. Or um, I can think of another time when um, my partner and I were like, I guess homeless looking back on it realistically for a couple of months during COVID where we we're having trouble get moving around Australia and things and I was at a point in time for me that I felt like very spiritually capable witnessing yourself in action is like a totally different situation and I think it's like a really uh, humbling experience and one that reveals to you you know where there might be a gap in between um an understanding and actually like an embodied experience of that understanding and for me it's you know it's a little bit of like building a muscle mechanism or if we're thinking epigenetics you know or even I'm thinking like neural pathways it's just that process of going okay um I see this new choice or this new understanding or a way of thinking about something I might have this like older pattern of behavior that my body really like wants to continue to play out and how do I just bridge that gap where I continue to have experiences that teach my body that this new thought is actually the pathway that we're going to follow as well so it really feels like a co coherence there or syncing those two aspects together yeah how about you yeah, that's a great question. Um, to to continue to contemplate, like I threw it out at you, and then when I think about it, it's you know I think the when you embody like let's say the knowledge of like we're all one, right? Like, and it's a cliche thing that like people want to say cliche. I don't think it's cliche. It's the truth. Um, when you really think about it, but like to embody, let's say this idea of oneness, for me, it what it looks like is like. I don't know. It's like when you're with someone, like you're seeing beyond their identity as like a a woman or a man or tall or short or or smart or young and juvenile or all these labels. It's it's about like getting rid of the labels and just seeing the sheer presence and acknowledging like man, like whoa, look at us. We're in the middle of a rock in the middle of the universe together in this moment. It's beautiful, even a stranger. So when I look at them, I try to just remember like, ah, like they are not all these things that they're projecting out or that I'm projecting onto them. Like there's something else there. And so for me, when I, when I start to recognize that my heart just feels a little warmer and I feel like I can be slower and kinder and not so mm. reactive. And so I try to embody the idea of oneness by recognizing myself and everyone I meet. Um, but that's easier said than done. You know, you've, your ego is so strong. You know, Even as you. you're saying this, I'm thinking, you know, there's like, there's cycles to this as well, like, like layers of embodiment, if you will, you know, because I, I hear you, I hear I have this oneness example that you brought is awesome. It's one I've been thinking about a lot this year, right? And I love that you first went there with that oneness between two humans, because then, you know, we can extend that beyond, um, you know, like, 
oneness with all life here. I've been moving through, like we have lots of killer bugs here in Australia. It's been a real process for me to be like, hey, like that's, you see that same divine essence in you and that bug, like we're not going to kill that bug. We're actually going to revere it and coexist with it and, you know, not see, um, not, yeah, I guess not be existing in that resonance of separation. And so it's so interesting how we continue to embody and understanding on deeper and deeper levels throughout our journey and experience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me, like I even look at the plants and like even like inanimate things, like everything is buzzing with aliveness <laughs> yeah. because it's all consciousness, you know? Totally. Um, I love but, that you said an inanimate object. I don't think many, I don't think many people go there, but I'm like, this is like a whole new different level of this once we're feeling that energy and you know, things. Yeah, like, like once you like get beyond like I don't know the limitations of like this sense of self being the boundaries of your body you know and seeing that like the the awareness that is seemingly bound by the body is is permeating everything that you can be sensitive to right like you're the doorways through the ears the eyes the nose the mouth like our five sense doors or whatever um yeah, they're open and their boundaries, openings and closings, but are those really like temporary limitations that are put here for the sake of who knows, you know, I, I think about like some big psychedelic experiences I've had where I've like felt that in such a deep way, like in all my senses, like this feeling like I'm that table and that light and that plant <laughs> and that person like it's all consciousness it's all buzzing with aliveness it's all beautiful and perfect in every single way you know um and then you come down from that and then you you know it's hard to it's hard to like remember that or recall that you know outside of like feeling it with every ounce of your being but I think the memory of it is crucial because it, it showed me my potential to be connected to life. And so I try to like call on that in the world as much as I can. I love that. I love that so much. I'm, I'm, I have to just say out loud for anyone who's just hearing this and can't see us like, oh, the energy is just beautiful. <laughs> of course, it's like such a big part of my process, like seeing this energy, but um. You know, the, I think that's like a huge missing part of the puzzle as well is that integration, right? We have these like huge experiences of oneness and it's like so visceral. And that's like a huge part of the puzzle as well because I think to imagine future experiences that we want, we need to have that feeling. And so like mm -hmm. experiencing that feeling is so important. But, um, you know, a lot of the work that I do in workshops and one-on-ones is really helping people to integrate these like one-off big experiences or feelings that we have you know through plant medicines or mm -hmm. awakening experiences or whatever it is and say okay like how do we have more of that feeling in our day-to-day -day lives like without any stimulus so how can you naturally bring yourself into that resonance um yes. as often as possible yeah i think that's the most important thing you know and i think that's where we're entering very tricky territory with this kind of psychedelic renaissance and spiritual renaissance you know with uh and in a time i feel we need it more than ever but integration is like without it there's it's chaos i think that's what the 60s kind of were you know when the psychedelic boom and the eastern wisdom traditions were flooding into the west and everybody was high 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 all the time but they but but then you know the 70s and the 80s came around and then it just kind of went underground again a little bit 
Um, but the yeah. integration, like the skill, I think about like this, this term in Buddhism, upaya, skillful means, like the ability to skillfully harness the potential energy to feel oneness, to feel love, to feel compassion and connection and put it into skillful action is like, the, that is where the rubber meets the road. And so you can have these huge openings, whether it's deep meditative experiences or a breath workshop or sound healing or, or even just an, an, an outrageously wild lucid dream, like, you know, or for some, it's just like a moment that they, they just woke up for a few seconds in their life. Like no, no, nothing catalyzed it um, externally, but if we can't integrate these things into our way of being, they be, we lose them. We lose the power of them or we misuse them and we, and the ego identifies with the experiences, me being special and everyone else is yeah. not. And we see that happen a lot too. And so I think in this sort of space we're moving into, like we need people who can help others integrate. And I think art in some ways can serve a vehicle, not only for opening and inspiration, but also for grounding and integration, you know, as well. And um, I don't know, I think about that really, you know, a lot because I think these deep spiritual experiences, especially let's say a psychedelic opening, it shows you your potential to love, right? But if you can't bring that to earth, if you can't bring heaven to earth, right? If you can't embody it, then it's, I can't say it's a waste, but you're not really harnessing the potential power of what that experience was really showing you. And I see, I see a lot of that too in these spaces as well. And so the term like coherence, like you said, is really sort of a byproduct of integration. Would you agree? Like totally, to feel totally. the coherence. I was actually thinking these, uh, these concepts are very um, nicely paired together, you know? It's, um, mm -hmm. I, I think it, it's so evident for me in like the most mundane daily task, you know? I think about if you've had this, let's keep using a a psychedelic experience because I think it's like a really nice one but you have this intensely um unifying psychedelic experience and then the next day you walk past your neighbor and you can't smile at them I think that to me that shows like a massive dissonance or yes. that like something because there's not that integration or there wasn't the coherence um and you know you probably hit the nail on the head too that um where that energy can be misplaced in ego um is, is probably where it doesn't land or it isn't, it hasn't done its job necessarily of um, dissolving that ego enough that when the effects wear off that it builds itself back up, but mm -hmm. that's a process, right? Like how many yeah. times do we <laughs> dismantle the ego <laughs> every day? Exactly. Every moment, right? Like it's exactly. like when you can notice like these layers of the mind and I've been on a deep like meditative journey for many years. And I think that to me is like the way I, I integrate my day-to-day -day experiences through meditative process, which for me is about really embodying non-judgmental awareness and stepping outside the ego and noticing how the ego actually works and how the mind likes to hold on to certain concepts and claim it as its own, you know? And so I think the practices like that, like yoga, meditation, even like in investigating and embodying and learning like wisdom traditions, like what you do with like the ancient Egyptian wisdom traditions, like those can give you roadmaps for integration, I think as well, because it can give you a sense of understanding this big cosmic reality that we're a part of. 
you know um, how do you I mean sorry your podcast I shouldn't be asking questions no, but no, do you yeah. find that artistic practice is like I really find creation to be so integrating but I have two questions I guess do you find that that's part of your processing practice and when you create do you feel like any possession of what you create like do you feel like your ego ever wants to come in and be like that's what I made (laughs) for sure that definitely happens you know um but I I don't know for me I'm really into ritual I like to build ritual around a lot of what I do in life because I feel like it just sets the resonance scale or the tone of what's happening and so even with my painting like I view it as, in a lot of ways, like I look at like how you describe what you're doing, like you're a channel, like you try to empty yourself and let the art come through, let the words come through, let the decision-making happen through you without being so like controlling of it. You know, um, I, I try to like build rituals around becoming that so that the, whatever the work ends up being or how it ends up looking in the end it's like it's not about me you know it's about creating something that is going to help me on my journey because I, I look at my art as like a part of my own healing process because like um it's healing for me to not only make it but to experience it too and you know um but I also look at it as like an offering of my own intention to heal deeply so it's like the painting becomes an act of healing and then it becomes for me the way I like to think of it and I, I would imagine you might feel the same way about your work is like then it becomes like a an energy portal for healing for others who might resonate with it because not everyone I know is going to resonate with what I do like that's just not reality but there's probably one person out there a couple people out there who might get a little bit of the healing energy that I tried to heal through it with myself while making it does that make sense totally it does you know I talk about this with my partner who's a musician a lot and I'm like why is some music so powerful and some music just sucks like what is that and we you know (laughs) both sort of adhere to like a belief that it's, we're just using these mediums to transfer energy, right? So mm-hmm. I'm like, when you're talking about that beautiful healing energy that you're in and that I certainly feel like when I'm in that creative process, before you even said the words portal, I'm like, portal, portal, it's a portal, you know? <laughs> but we're, we're really inviting people through that medium to say, hey, like I've just um, captured this resonance, whatever frequency it is. And if you're in any sort of frequency band that could possibly come into resonance with this then here's an invitation to experience that and you know I think that that's why there's something really universal about all all different um artistic expressions is that it's so far beyond the polarity cognition of our ego like this is just really tapping into that raw essence that we all have and so you know when someone I get lots of messages from people saying oh wow that was exactly what I was thinking or exactly what I was feeling or this feels so true to me and I'm like it's ours I I tip I pulled this from the universal domain you know it's yours as well exactly this instrument that's all exactly I love that you know I I love that and it takes what you have to probably you know I have to remind myself that because I can all you can always the more you get to know your ego the more you can see it's subtle working do you know the way it wants to hold on to things and grab things And so like, even in my own work, like if I find myself like obsessing over a painting or something, I like have to catch myself and be like, let it go. Like you did it. Now let's move on to the next thing Um, and let it live its life, you know, let it, let it live its life and do what it's, it's supposed to do. 
Um, and I think that is the beauty and power of art is its ability to transfer energy, um, like you were saying, and it can be in any form, music, visual art, even a great performance. Like when you see a great performance, you know, like you're transported and there is a transmission that happens through that. And I think the the best art that I experience or have experienced tends to come from that place where the artist or the performer, whoever has really either purposefully or just happened so or unconsciously entered the vessel space where they are no longer the doer. The doing is just happening through them. And I think you can you can feel that. And what's interesting in our culture, I don't know how it is in Australia, but in America, with our music culture, a lot of the popular music is really centered around a lot of materialist concepts, you know, sex, drugs, partying, material, cars, jewelry, you know, all that. I mean, it's been that way for a while. And the feeling when you listen to that kind of music versus when you hear something, um, I don't know, that speaks to your soul. It's it's so apparent. But I think what's interesting is like as much as art can heal and like help point us to um, a quality and energy that we are cultivating or want to have, it can do the opposite too. It can further entrench us in identifying with materialism and egotism. Um, and I find that tension to be really tricky to battle with, you know, you even can see it in visual art, you know, certain visual art as well, you know, um, I think this is a huge part of it. Right. And that I'm like, I think people should think about, uh, like everything that they consume in this way that I'm like every, everything, like if we're moving away from art and we just thought about food, right. That like really nourishing food, you, you can feel the, I want to say feel the love that is in it, but you know, like people say that secret ingredient is love for a reason, right. It's that yeah, you it's can. That energy that you put into it. And um, you know, it's like some people accidentally creating dissonance. Some people are intentionally creating dissonance, you know, like there's this whole spectrum. Um, I think I wrote a post years ago that was like create from your resonance and um, for me, like I won't create something if I don't feel that I can get out of my own way. It's like, oh, yeah. why would I bring something through my ego? That's not for anyone other than just for my own satisfaction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't need that anymore, you know? So it's like, I don't, I, I would just would go and do something else rather than express from that place. And I think it's also a really important thing for creators to be really aware of when we're, yeah. when we're bringing something forth as well. It's like, what place are you in? Where, where are you creating from? Yeah. Cause it's so powerful, like beyond even what we can even understand as artists, like, you know, like, cause there's so many mysterious components to the creative process. And I think, yeah, the idea of like surrendering yourself to it and, and trying to get out of your own way is, is so crucial. And I think there's a lot of artists and art that comes out where, like you're saying, it's not necessarily on purpose, but like it's the motivation and the intention behind the work is not coming from a place that is maybe mature, you know, that has some some life lived, some wisdom behind it. Um, you know, there's a sense like sometimes, I don't know, we live in a weird time with like uh um influencer culture and like kids wanting to be famous just for being famous you know and things like that and you see a lot of sometimes art coming through with that sort of intention as well and um i teach art i don't know if you know that but i'm an art teacher as well so i teach students um mostly high high schoolers (laughs) you know 
And yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun, especially at this sort of stage in my life, like where I'm at, you know, it's a lot of fun, but it's also challenging too, because I can see the world that they're dealing with. It's, it's different than I grew up. I didn't have social media till I was in college, you know, and it wasn't even near what, and that's when it just started. So it wasn't even near what it is now. So like, I find myself wondering sometimes when I look at younger generations, like how are they able to parse through all the ego identified BS that's out there, all the content that's out there that is really just feeding these parts of our mind and our heart that are really not um, going to be of service to us in the long run. Do you notice that too? And where you are? I teach a little, just one little kid in my area art and it's been super illuminating witnessing that experience so I guess I have a little bit of a synergy here but um you know I think like there's pros and cons right like they're also living in a time where like there's more freedom in expression than there's probably ever been and there's less Mm -hmm. like structure around expectation you know I can think of probably when we were younger and it's like here's a still life painting and you know like there were very sort of structured ways about approaching creativity um for me but um you know maybe maturity was the right word there I feel like life kind of chews you up and spits you out enough times that you start to realize that oh I'm not actually like benefiting myself or others at all by creating from that place that is just to try and achieve a certain outcome mm-hmm. um, and you know like so many people I can even think of not that long ago in my own career where I was like oh, yeah I'm me too so that I can have exhibitions and be a famous artist and oh my ego like will be so you know rubs the right way I had a couple of exhibitions and I was like oh this isn't it I can feel that this isn't it you know? yeah I will still have people now be like are you going to do an exhibition anytime soon I'm like I don't wait that's that's it's not a great financial decision and it's uh, I don't need it for my ego so I'm not really sure why I would do that in that way for me personally at the point that I'm at in my journey but um, yeah yeah I mean with the, your high schools that you teach like um what do, are you teaching them techniques because I also think too there's like something really special at the moment in um guiding these young ones away from to, you know following too many rules or processes as well or like really teaching that creative um artistry of exploration and not yeah. limiting yourself or your expression as well yeah for me it's a I, it's i think it's all about that balance because i think i think um there's an empowerment that comes when you develop a real sense of skill in something right when you really put your time in and develop skill like it empowers you to work with your hands to be able to manifest something that existed nowhere else but inside of you and bring it into this world like i think that's probably one of the greatest qualities and gifts of of the human being is our ability to bring forth something from within ourselves in, into this shared space you know i think it's an incredibly important it's a res- it takes a lot of responsibility i think when you're really doing it you need to be more and more conscious of it because it's such a powerful tool for me it's like about a balance of cultivating skill and confidence and empowering them with technique in some sense, but then opening the doors and just, I ask a million questions. And I feel like the question is the greatest tool you have as any kind of teacher. You know, I I don't like to give answers. I like to just ask a really good question and get them to figure it out through that process, you know? 
but I think about it a lot. I have a young son and thinking about the world, like as it is, we live in a really weird, interesting time. I feel like it's, it's like a time so ripe for transformation more so than ever. And that's kind of what's inspired this podcast for me. Cause I see so many amazing inspirational artists like yourself putting out just these incredible energy into the world. And it's like, this is what we need more than ever. And like, we kind of can use the the uh, technology of the internet to have access to greater and greater amounts of people than ever before. And so um, I see there's a lot of great responsibility in that as well. Um, and so I just feel like it's an interesting time with ripe with tons of potential and transformation. And I think we need to find the collective upaya, you know. Yeah, <laughs> there we have all. Collectively, I really like that you balance the the um ability with the expansiveness of not limiting yourself because I actually think this is a part of this um practice that we don't speak about that much. But I'm like, flow state isn't going to happen if you are showing up to do a task and you have no technical ability, right? Because mm -hmm. how could your vessel do it? It's something um, that didn't really come to my attention until probably the last month that I was like, oh, hang on a second. I experience flow more and more frequently because I have built up my skill set in a way that it happens automatically now. You know, I'm not sitting yeah. there trying to think about how to do things. Yeah, you're so familiar with your with your materials or with your medium. Yeah. And you're also like familiar with... Um, what it is you're, you know, because like you, you, as you mature as an artist, you just know like where your wheelhouse is, you know, like where you're in alignment. And I think for a lot of our journeys as artists, it takes time to get there, you know, to figure out what are to really, so that our voice can come through our work unobstructed. Yeah. Um, totally. But in the meantime, developing confidence and skills will help that voice find its way one day, you know, and when it does, that's where the flow states definitely come through yeah. you know I, I look at art practice for myself as, as a form of meditation you know like really being conscious and intentional building ritual creating this container for and some people might look at it and be like oh you take it so seriously and I'm like I don't really take it that seriously like I have fun with it and I enjoy what I do but like I see that there's so much potential power and positive impact that you can make by making something authentic, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, yeah. that's something we need. And that's something I really feel from all the work that I see from you is just authenticity. It's like, you just feel it when you see it, you know what I mean? Like we see a lot of, you know, people who can do similar things as you do in some ways, like putting words to like images, but the way you do it is just on a totally different level because the imagery and the creativity and the imagery that you couple with the the writing is just it's spot on it's amazing oh, thank you. i love i mean there's so many i love i love the the uh the glyph open your heart and then open it wider <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like just like so simple but it's like because it's like once once it starts to crack open like then it's like there's just so much more potential for it to open more than you've ever imagined do you do these what comes first like the imagery or like the text and the words usually the words mm -hmm. um it's so funny where the words will come through I'll be in the most impractical situations usually and then it's like words 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 and I'm just I'll be in my garden or doing something where it's not easy to capture those words um so I like that they're elusive in that way but 
usually the words will come through and then I will sit down and it's a real playtime until I see the resonance that I feel. That's mm-hmm. usually what it is. I'm like, again, with yeah. that coherence, it's like, okay, cool. Well, yeah. you, you know, you can say something to someone and words are just so divisive and polarizing in so many ways. And, you know, that's just when I'm speaking within the English language, then mm-hmm. to go beyond that with different languages and our translation issues between different languages and things. Um, but, you know, like what we said before about, um, you know, any of these artistic mediums music visual art performance whatever it is I'm like oh well (laughs) it just goes beyond that part of the brain so for me I think that the visual aspect of it is like really important in giving that dimensionality to the message that I'm like okay cool like you don't have to cognitively understand these words but like you can feel their resonance just from looking at this Definitely. And I definitely, I mean, I get that, you know, I just, and are you doing all these on, um, these are all digitally rendered, correct? Yeah, they are. I'm working wow. across a few different programs at the moment. So I usually do a little bit of, a little bit of playing around on my iPad and procreate, and then I'll bring it onto my computer. I work through a few different Adobe softwares as well. Yeah. But, um, I find I like looking at your beautiful oil painting behind you is reminding me of a few years ago where I was really focused on um, tactile mediums like that. And I, I'm like too frustrated doing it now because the process moves so quickly for me that I don't have the patience to wait for mediums to dry and <laughs> like, come on, no, I've got this, like, like the concept is right here, but it won't be here all day. I have to move it through me. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's the beauty of, of the technology now is, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not about, the medium. It's a tool. It's about the person using it and the intention behind it. You know, that is the most crucial, the most important. And really you got to just find what tool, what medium, what process helps you get in that flow state, helps you get in that space where you can get out your own way a little bit and you can become that channel and that vessel, you know, for higher consciousness, for deeper states of energy that you want to transmit, you know, and I feel I I don't know. I just feel like, you know, it when you feel it, you know? And so like, and there's such an incredible variety. I'm like, kind of just like scrolling through your website. So (laughs) y'all, if you haven't seen it, you got to check it out because I mean, it's just the, the versatility and variety in ways that you're doing things, but then also certain things like are repeating in very subtle ways. Sometimes, I mean, it's just very, I don't know. I'm just, I'm grateful for you and the, and the work you're doing and what you put out there. I look forward to your posts anytime I see them. I'm just like, yes, because they really do speak, speak volumes, you know, for how we can almost just change our mentality in a moment. Like sometimes like reading some of the words and then the, and seeing the images behind it can just like flip the switch in the mind and, and bring you into a new resonance. And I think that's, the power of art as well is to kind of get you out of your funk, you know, like when a good song comes on that just makes your body want to move and groove. Like, yeah, it's just like gets you unstuck, you know, lets the energy flow and move through you. And um, I think visual art does that as well for people and um, just really appreciate, you know, what you're put, what you're putting out there, you know, are there Thank any um, are there any kind of like uh, personal practices that you you like to do to like kind of help get out of your own way? Like, are you into yoga or meditation? Do you do any of like any sort of um, specific spiritual practice or routine? 
It's so funny when I get asked this question because I'm sure like you, like so many of my practices are habits now, you know, they're not, Mm -hmm. um, when I say, and I say, I use the word habit, you know, because I'm like, they're quite automated. It's not something I think about, but um, yes, I meditate a lot every single day in the morning and the evening before I go to sleep. Um, I, you know, I, I on and off practice different types of yoga. I love moving my body intuitively. I have a like non-negotiable practice with sunlight and breathing. Mm. <laughs> so um, for me, light, breath and water, like really fundamental keystones, just how I feel more connected to my body. But, um, you know, I, I want to say like the most overlooked and probably the most valuable practice for me is just listening like really listening so you know it's a lot of silence I know we love like videos going and podcasts and music and constantly having so much stimulus but um, I think the detriment to that is that with so much incoming that we can't hear ourselves and that like to just spend a lot of time swimming in that silence so I can hear that call or when you know something wants to move through me and that I'm actually listening enough to to hear it when it's there Um, yeah but yeah, you know, I'm sure there's like a million other things. I'm thinking like, oh, there's so many practices that you pick up over, you know, your journey that um, yeah. you integrate. But yeah, yeah. No, I-, I mean, and just creating every day, you know, like giving my honoring myself with that space of like, hey, actually, like this is my greatest desire is to create something. I feel healed every time that I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, like, don't I think we're in. Um, a time where a lot of whatever creative practice it is, you know, I'm trying to remind people too, like pouring love and intention into creating a meal is exactly the same energy and practice as like sitting down to do a painting. Yeah. But um, you know, we're in a time where it's like, oh, there's not a lot of outcome or like we can't see results or it doesn't fall into the capitalism model, then that's a hobby or that's a, you know, an extra activity that you do that's just for pleasure and just feel like saying, you know, prioritize all of these practices as essential as, you know, bathing or going to the bathroom or drinking water because they're just as valuable to you. (laughs) Yes. So true. I love the way I love putting it that way. You know, it's like hygiene for the soul and for the mind, just like, you know, we have to take hygiene, you know, so our teeth don't fall out of our face and our, you know, we don't stink up the the, uh, neighborhood or whatever, you know, there's certain things, but like, we neglect the uh, interior, you know, hygiene, the hygiene of like, what are our thoughts? How are, what are the patterns in our thinking? And um, how are we, how are we talking to ourselves? I think that's one of the big transformations that um, I've had for myself is like listening to my own self-talk and like, you know what I mean? The judgmental mind, like the part of our mind that wants to scold and say, you're this or that, and try to, I don't know. It's a weird thing, but when you, when you become aware of it and you see that it's this illusion of programming that was not yours to begin with and start dismantling it, there's so much more space to love and have compassion. Um, yeah. I'm sure people think I'm a crazy person. I'm talking to myself all day. Like lucky that I work from home and there's not (laughs) any judgment of that, but you know, I think even having like a healthy rapport with that inner voice I can certainly think of a point in time where I was just so aware of as we all are being our own like biggest critic 
um, I still witness those moments when it happens now, but I will have the biggest laugh with myself. Like, yes. oh, are we telling those stories again? Yes, like, okay. yes, yes. <laughs> I know. I love doing that too. Like catching, catching like the old patterns in the mind that are still trying to find a place to root, you know, yeah. but like, you're not giving it the fertile ground that you used to give it unconsciously to take root in your mind. You know, and so like the listening practice you you're you're speaking to, I find to be so valuable. Um, I really am I'm really drawn to um, doing a lot of meditation where I just focus on listening, like listening to the sounds and like kind of focusing on impermanence and feeling the experience of impermanence or like constant change through listening to all the sounds that are changing all the time around me and honing in on that. And I find that to be such a powerful space creator within myself um, because, you know, we don't are, there's so much chatter in the mind, you know, that we don't actually ever listen to things purely because there's always this backdrop of narration happening. And I think over time, and it takes time y'all, like, especially if you're starting a meditation practice, like being gentle and slow with yourself is always the best way to go. But eventually, yeah, I, yeah. I have to interject here because I'm like, everyone starting a meditation practice is like, oh, it's like, you know, I can't stop thinking the whole time. And I'm like, me either now, years deep, the first 15 minutes, I am nonstop da, 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 until then. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, quietens down that I'm like, even you will hear your most <laughs> practiced meditators, but uh, you know, I f- feel like such a missing piece of this puzzle is like having the patience with yourself, you know, mm-hmm. like, and the commitment to just sh- showing up and waiting to witness the change because you're not going to show up for meditation and have the same experience of it every single day for six months. Like eventually there's going to be a transformation in that experience. But Yeah. I find it's different every time. And that's what I remind myself. Like each meditation is as unique as each moment, you know, it's just like, and so, but it's, you know, the attachment to an outcome, like you were talking about earlier, like this obsession with results, like that is definitely a huge sort of stamp of our culture is like result oriented culture, not process based, you know? And so when you can start to let go of that a little bit, you know, um, and, and see and, and watch the mind as it goes through all of its lists and chatters with compassion and with a little lightheartedness, like you're saying, laughing at yourself. I do that all the time. Like when a really absurd thought crosses my mind, even like a crazy judgmental thought, I'm like, whoa. Like, that was creative. Look like, at you go. <laughs> you know, but like creating that, I think that first step for a meditative practice is to cultivate that space between awareness and thoughts themselves. And then, yeah. then that gap gets bigger and wider. And then, eventually every now and then it the faucet shuts off in the mind the thinking mind and when that happens that's where energy is flowing in a very powerful way and um but it's not going to happen every day on every practice and and that's not the point you know because that just becomes another result to be attached to right Totally, totally. You know, and ex- we really restrict ourselves to when we're having this expectation of the sameness, you know. I think probably that one of the most common questions I get asked and answered is like, oh, well, you know, like how do I move through X, Y, Z, whatever this discomfort thing is that I'm feeling and I'm like, just surrender to it, you know, like don't expect it to go away. 
don't expect anything to change. Don't expect it. Just re- really see expectation and show up for the isness of the moment. And, yeah. you know, in meditation, in art, and whatever that is. Like, exactly. Some days that, that looks shit and some days that looks <laughs> incredible, you know? <laughs> exactly. So true, you know? Um, because, yeah, it's every day is unique. Every moment is unique. And, and there's the idea of, of trying to be, you know, that you can be perfectly present to every situation, every moment is just an impossible task to try to like uphold. It's just about consistency and gentleness and, and recognition. I think, I think recognition is key. Like if you can, when you begin recognizing the patterns of your own mind, then you can start to dismantle them, but you can't dismantle something you're not aware of, you know? Um, yeah, it's a beautiful journey to be on. I'm really grateful that, you know, it's come into my life and I see more and more people getting into it than ever before. And that's what, and like I was saying earlier, like with the sort of meditation coming into the sort of mainstream consciousness as being like a, something that is actually viable because of all this, because a lot of people need the scientific data. Some people don't need that, but a lot of people need that and it's all there backing it up. And then you have the psychedelic you know, renaissance happening at the same time with all the incredible data, um, Mm. you know, and so it's what we need more than ever is, is, is people who can help guide and integrate and create that coherence like you were talking about earlier. And um, I I definitely see you Delta as as someone doing that. And um, I'm just really grateful to connect with you in this way. And uh, I can see us having a lot more, you know, conversations um, and going deeper. Oh, totally. You know, we're coming up on an hour. I know it's the morning and I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I just want to express gratitude to you and for for what you're doing. And this was a great conversation that I think uh, to be continued. We'll have to circle back sometime down the road and do it again. I'd love that. Thank you so much for having me. It's, um, you know, I feel very grateful that you're opening up this space to others and I can totally feel your intention for what you're doing here and it just feels really good. So Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I'm grateful to meet people like you. So thank you so much again, Delta. Y'all check it out, Delta Venus uh, at Instagram. I'll have everything in the show notes um, to her website and, um, and anything else uh, of notes. So be sure to check out the show notes. Um, Thanks again, Delta. I'll see you soon. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Peace. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Concerning the Spiritual and Art. Um, If you like what you're listening to, please uh, leave a comment, uh, give me a rating on whatever podcast platform you're you're tuning in on, and uh, help me get the word out. Share with any friends or family, anyone you think might be interested in uh, what I'm doing over here. Super excited to bring a lot more of this content to you. Sending lots of love out to each and every one of you. Peace, y'all.